What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Buds, Bros, and Superheroes. My name is Nick James, and if it's your first time coming to hang out, let me run down what's going to go on today so everybody's on the same page. Our name is Buds, Bros, and Superheroes, and those are the three sections in which we'll be talking about today. Buds, Bros, and Superheroes. So in the Bud section, I've got some fun shower thoughts. That's right. The shower slash stoner thoughts are back in the Bros section. We're going to be talking about today in the Superhero section, Army of the Dead. So in the Bros section, want to know if my guest today has ever been to Vegas? what they think about zombies and how their favorite way of killing zombies would be and then yes i didn't just spoil anything for you i hope in the superhero section Zack snyder's army of the dead is up for the discussion like i said my name is nick james today i'm bringing back probably one of my favorite hosts to have on this show a podcaster himself on the reasons i'm broke podcast please welcome back to the show i think it's your fourth time now sir daniel from the reasons i'm broke podcast hey everyone thank you so much for having me back for being a theme as we get later on to the review section we're gonna uh that's gonna be more shower or stoner thoughts when we get to army of the dead but i'm really excited to discuss that with you nick thank you so much for having me back on there's nobody else i'd want to talk some snyder movie cut with than you or snyder movie with than you sorry it definitely is a snyder cut they let him do whatever he wanted and I'm excited to talk about it. That's true. I didn't even think about that, but it just came so long with saying Snyder and cut right after it that I almost forgot that they're not just one word. <laughs> yeah. Stick around for the whole episode because we're about to have a lot of fun on Buds, Bros, and Superheroes. We could start that off the way we always do, which is entering into the Bud section. So this section is usually for Travelers of the Green. Since, Daniel, you are not a Traveler of the Green, I figured we'd go back to the shower thoughts that are sometimes the stoner thoughts. I know that you've had fun with those on the past before. I think they're really good today. Awesome. Let's get into them. So the first one, unfortunately, has to start with my own own little kind of thing going on here. I have a mouse in my house. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if I let him in. I got one of those magic meshes for the back door. So the dogs can come in and out as they please. You know, it's basically a sheet of a screen door. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I let him in or not. Now, I saw him once. And uh, unfortunately, I don't want a mouse in my house, man. Can you understand that? Do you want a mouse in your house? I don't, but I almost feel like... I'd rather switch spots with you because here in Florida, we have, they call them, I think they call them like, uh, they're giant roaches. It's, it's really what they are, but they call them palmetto bugs down here. And uh, those are, get in your house no matter what you do. So it's kind of like, I, I'm tired of seeing those giant things, especially since I'm afraid of roaches. So I, I'm kind of like, I'd rather have one mouse in my house than giant ass roaches that sometimes come in from outdoors. Yeah, fuck that, man. I like how they tried to like spice it up, though. Like, no, they're not giant roaches. It's a palmetto bug. Even that <laughs> like sounds nicer. <laughs> like when when Kelly first told me that, I told her palmetto bug. And I looked it up on Wikipedia and Wikipedia says it right there in the roach family. I'm like, they're fucking roaches just because they come from palmetto trees. It's a goddamn roach. And they fly. They fly, Nick. No, <laughs> like, no, no, no. I lived in, in Illinois for years and roaches did not fly up there and they were tiny. Here they fucking fly. Fuck that. <laughs> Second, a giant fuck that, man. I'm not saying I'd burn down my house if I saw one, but I'm definitely not there with just one mouse. No. <laughs> so what's what's the mouse doing? Are you finding uh, like mouse droppings and all that? Is it chewing through your wires or anything? Nothing. I've only seen it one time. I was unfortunately in the bathroom, sitting on the toilet, as vulnerable as a human being can be, if you ask me. And all of a sudden, he just pull, pops his head around the corner and then leaves. And I was like, all right, that's fucked. <laughs> so I'm hoping he left out the door that I left open, but I highly doubt it. So now I have mousetraps set up, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. 
because I'm not a fan of killing anything. But again, I don't want to live with a mouse in the house. Right. Of course. My question to you in the first shower thought for anybody going, what the fuck are we talking? I thought we were. Do you think that all mice see rat traps or mouse traps as giant guillotines? Because I haven't seen the fuck since. So now I'm wondering, like, of course I haven't seen them. If somebody set up giant guillotines around my neighborhood, you probably wouldn't see me either. It could be. I think after so many years, that's something I've thought about, too, of so many years of these pests seeing these traps, they must eventually learn like, okay, that's biologically they start learning. That's a thing that will kill me after so many of them end up dying. Kind of like roadkill. You start seeing squirrels be a little more cautious around the road. And and uh, I don't know. Yeah, they probably see them as traps if they had their own court system. Like you said, they could be guillotines. (laughs) You know, they they could murder their own murderers. Uh, I think they're, yeah, we got to come up with more clever traps and different ways to fool them. For sure, because now I haven't seen them. And I'm just like, that that makes sense. I, I would not see less of me if there was traps around. It's fucked up, but hopefully he just left. Like I said, I, I really hope down in my deepest core that, they, that he just left. He he found his way in by accident and he left on his own accord. Well, if you spot him again, you may have to get those ones that are like the sticky pads. They're awful. They're the worst because then you got to put the animal away yourself, but... Uh, hopefully he left on his own. That's what the exterminator said. That just shows you what a big pussy I am. Is like he <laughs> gave me all the sticky traps, and he said use these. And I was like, why? He's just gonna stick to them. That's fucked up. Like he'll starve and squeak and yeah. stuff. And he goes, yeah, until you step on them. And I looked at him <laughs> like, what the fuck is the matter with you? Why would I just go like? I was like, no, sir. I'm way too squeamish for that. I'm not stepping on a goddamn thing. No, <laughs> no, I can't, can't do it. Won't do it. Won't do it. Exactly. Yeah. Fucking a. So the next shower thought here is. Have you ever thought of the fact that the quote, go to bed, you'll feel better in the morning, is just the human version of, did you turn it on and back off again? It does work out. It really is. It's true, though, because I feel like if I have a shit day, I can go to sleep, wake up the next day, and it is like a new start. And some people have like this 2.0 thinking of, I can restart my my day at any point in the day. And I'm like, well, I'm not there yet. I don't know how what kind of mental, mental jujitsu you have to do to get there, but... I would love to just restart my day in minutes at a time if needed, especially when I'm at work where I can just pause and I'm like, all right, fresh start. Let's go. But it does work every morning. I, I wake up and I'm like, all right, it's a new opportunity. I woke up. That's something to be grateful for already. I didn't have a heart attack in the middle of the night. So let's let's go. And it, it, I, I subscribe to that thought. Me too. Yeah. Have you ever seen what was it? Pineapple Express? No, I never watched it. There's a part. It doesn't matter. They're in high school and some high school kid says, time to suck today's dick. <laughs> and I wake up just like, all right, guys, time to suck today's dick. Same thing. of just like yesterday, kind of maybe maybe it sucked. Maybe it didn't. But today, today is today. And just kind of do do you and do today. And I definitely agree with that. Now, I do have to ask, though, if you didn't have to sleep, if there was no physical requirement to. Do you have like a certain skill or hobby that you've been trying to get to that you're like, oh, if only there was more time and then you'd get to during your sleep time? That's probably when I would play video games or do a little bit more reading. The things that I used to do before I had Leo, uh, that's my son, and and I would do all of those things again. And I, But I've also thought of it where even if I had all of that extra time, over a period of time, I would fill it up with more hobbies and more things to do that it would then not be 24 hours would not be enough time for me. I feel like we all do that, or at least I do. If I get a, a little bit of free time, an hour or so, I use it to do things. And then I suddenly don't have time to finish doing that thing. So I, I feel like I'd be screwed either way, but I'd probably, yeah, I'd still put it towards video games or reading. Nice. I really want to learn American Sign Language. I think I'd do that at night. That's a good one. Yeah. I don't know. Or another I definitely language. Want to- 
Yeah, exactly. I want to learn a different language, and I don't know why ASL came up, but I think doing it with the hands would be fun. It always looks expressive, you know, because they use their faces to speak. They use their hands or arms. It, it's always fun to just watch them when, as opposed to listening to the person, you know, just watching them go all out, especially if they're really good because they also express the emotion that the speaker has. And uh, you'd have to kind of learn that, too. Yeah, agreed. It's funny that you brought that up. I was watching an old episode of Hollywood Babylon and they had somebody signing for somebody in the crowd. And when Kevin Ralph noticed, they were just like, oh, man, the rest of the show is screwed. I'm just going to watch this guy the rest of the show. And then thought of every dumb slash gross obscene thing to say, like, go sit on a dick, you cock smoker. And then they just watch him do it. And they're just like, ah, look at what he's doing. <laughs> Uh, I know when they don't have a sign for that word, they spell it out. So I'm assuming they had to spell out a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poor guy's hands. He was fucking tired after that show. I guarantee it. Probably. <laughs> Next up here is, have you ever thought that the Olympics should have a four fun section at the end of the game so athletes can try different sports? It would be more entertaining to watch. That's for sure. I mean, not that the peak of human physical ability isn't great on its own, but just like a you mentioned for fun section, we can get the general audience involved of let's try to see the runner swim across that pool and uh, just kind of watch the weirdness of of like, all right, well, they're definitely in their sports for a reason. Uh, what about you? Which wh what would you mix up? That's a good one. I don't know. Anybody who does gymnastics, I'm sure, could probably hold their own in a lot of sports because mm -hmm. gymnastics looks hard as fuck. You know, I don't think I could take a boxer and make him uh, a swimmer as much, though, or some shit like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like the gymnast gymnast would be more versatile on everything else. I would think so. Now, the one that I kind of tag this up with, because I find all these online, but this one is mine. I think I, I want to tag this up. And this is I think they should really do this. I'm not even fucking kidding. I think in every event, they should put a normal person, if you will, into the event so you could see just how super athletic these people are. It reminds me of the early days of American Idol, where you would have all the terrible singers at the start. And then when you had a decent singer, it would make them look even like better compared to everyone else. So that's kind of what that reminds me of. It would probably be a huge hit. You can make just that part of it a show. Just an Olympic athlete and then a bunch of regular runners or a bunch of amazing athletes and then one terrible runner. I feel like that would be in today's age of social media, that would forever be their stigma when they would be terrible at the thing. And, and kind of like William Hung, I think it was in American Idol that was forever immortalized for that. But it would be a hit, you know, as long as they don't mind the hurt feelings or being known as as that person that can't. I mean, you put me in a fucking runner thing and I'd, I'd be awful and I'd be forever known as like that that terrible guy that can't even run a mile. <laughs> I have to walk half the thing. I feel that. Yeah. I just feel like sometimes, too, when we're watching the Olympics, we're like, oh, man, you only missed it by like a second. You couldn't run that fast. <laughs> and then you'd see the guy who's like, all right, I'm still going. And it's like, all right, now that's pretty hard. So maybe, no, he couldn't do it an extra second. I feel like it would just really make us see these athletes like, wow, what they're doing is really hard. Because when you have all the top competitors competing, it's just like, yeah, they make that shit look easy. Again, like you said with you or with me, like put me on a pole vault. You'll see how hard that shit is almost immediately. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Last one here kind of blew my mind for real as well, because I, I really didn't think about this. And then once I did, I was like, do you know what? That's fucking right. Have you ever thought about the fact that tall people are expected to use their tallness, their reach to help shorter people? But if a tall person were to ask a short person to hand them something they dropped off the floor, it would be insulting. Why do you think that is? 
Is it that we view things lower as lesser? I don't know. I guess it's just because you can bend down. I can't grow up. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like if you're really tall and shit, just just get that. Me and my wife have this problem with the refrigerator. She wants to put everything on the bottom shelf. And I'm like, stop, I got to bend over too much. And I want to put everything on the top shelf. So I don't. It's not like she's got to reach anymore. It's just not natural for her to put something at eye level. <laughs> you know what I mean? And when you think about someone who is taller that has to reach down or bend down to grab something, generally, as they get older, especially, they end up having a lot of knee or back problems. So it should be even regardless. Like, yeah, you're not tall enough to reach that and you're never going to you probably stop growing. So you have to get a ladder or whatever. So it's more convenient for someone to just hand it to you. But, you know, someone that's that's taller and in, in their 30s, even it's going to fuck up their like my back already hurts and I'm a short guy. But I can only imagine, you know, someone who's six foot something. And uh, it's it, it really is. A, a It can be a painful thing to do. So we should be okay with handing someone something to someone that's taller but for whatever reason we are not especially kids let's just get kids to do that from now on if anybody drops anything and they're under 12 you got to pick it up for the other person that's right (laughs) be of service kids if you're not working you know do something do something yeah fucking a like leo's got to start earning his way i know he's only three but let's go come on kid god damn dude that time went so fast he's already three yeah he's, he's gonna be four in october Oh, that's amazing. But I've he, got nephews that I get to watch, but that that's it. I'm, I don't know if I'll ever roll the dice with the dad game. Yeah, never say never, but uh, I do definitely ask him, like, hey, can you pick that up? Or your drink's over there. Go ahead and go grab it. I, I'm at that age now where I'm I'm starting to try to learn to, you can do those things. You have you can walk now. That was a huge deal, teaching you how to walk. And that's the gift of parenthood. You you can now walk. Go get your water. Go get your, your crackers. <laughs> I taught you how to do it for you to get me stuff. Go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, you, now you're starting to learn life, kid. <laughs> I very much like those shower thoughts. What did everybody out there think of? If you have any answers, leave them down in the comments below. If you're on YouTube, if not, you could tweet us, leave a face on the Facebook or some other things like that. You know how the Internet works. With that, though, I think we can wrap on up the bud section and go into the bro section where we're going to talk about Vegas and zombies. So right off the bat in this bro section, sir, I need to know, have you ever been to Vegas? Never been, always wanted to go. Absolutely. Same. I really want to go. And especially, too, after this, you know, my my thing was always to say, well, what would I go there for? I don't drink anymore. And I've been to AC once and I gambled once and it wasn't I, I don't have the urge to do it again. So what would you do in Vegas, Nick? And I, I looked up shit. There's a lot to do in Vegas other than drink and gamble. It never shuts down, right? Isn't it 24 hours? There's always entertainment, always something to do. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like New York City, if I'm not mistaken. It's a, it never sleeps. It's just going all the time. I know that the um, casinos are always open. That's probably what I would be doing. Yeah, a lot of gambling and and really checking out all the shows. Uh, there's Were there any magicians in particular that you'd want to see or any stage shows that kind of caught your eye? I've always been a Penn and Teller fan. I don't know if yes. they're still there doing their shit, but if they were there, I'd like magicians. Yeah, I would go see a magician. Magicians both anger me and excite me. <laughs> so I'm just My sitting there like, what the fuck? And then half of me is just like, whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> the other thing I'd want to do is called the high roller. They put a giant um, Ferris wheel and it goes 500 feet up and you can look at shit. And that like I would do that just to look at the strip, the fountains at the Bellagio, mm-hmm. uh, you know, get to reenact Ocean's Eleven at the end if you want. That's the I, one thing I would want to go to is, and I'm sure there's probably a tour of Hollywood hotspots of scenes. This is from Ocean's Eleven, or this is from that movie. This is from Austin Powers. And 
Uh, that'd be a cool tour just to see, almost like a mini Hollywood. That's exactly what I was going to liken it to. Yeah, that's amazing that you said that. I did go to Hollywood two two summers ago, and we went on one of those things of just like, get in and we'll take you places. It, there's got to be the similar thing for Vegas, where it's just like, and now look at this. That's that uh, the Street Express, the thing with the LEDs all atop the cross. You know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, here's that, and here's the fake Eiffel Tower, the Welcome to Las Vegas sign and shit. Like, they, they have to have stuff like that. The one thing I'd be cautious about, though, is I always, anytime I see crime, really just uh, huge crime videos, it, it seems to take place in Vegas. When I used to watch Cops, the Vegas ones were always insane. So it's one of those things where if you're going to be out late at night, there's going to be, there has to be a ton of crackheads, prostitutes. And I feel like a place like Vegas probably cares a little bit less because it's known for what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Uh, I'd be, I'd be watching my back a little bit though. As much as I'd be having fun, uh, it's not a place I'd want to be drunk or out of my mind at (laughs) because I, I would, I would easily get into trouble. Yeah. The first CSI was in Vegas and that's, the most I've ever learned about Vegas was through that show. So not in a good way. So I would tend to agree with you. Just like mm. we should watch. I, I believe Las Vegas middle name is actually debauchery. It's Las Debauchery Vegas. If I'm not yeah. mistaken, wow. I could be wrong. I mean, it sounds right. It's fitting. <laughs> so up next to kind of go into the zombie. That's the zombie genre, a word I just kind of made up as I slurred them together. Are you a fan of the zombie genre originally? Like before this movie came out, were you going to see this because you see everything zombies? I'm actually not. And I hadn't even seen Dawn of the Dead, which was his first feature film. And it's just not a genre that that caught me. I've seen the first two episodes of The Walking Dead, which took the na- the world by storm. People love that show. That's all people would talk about at the comic shop about eight years ago. But I don't know. It never caught my interest. And I don't know if it's because of the survival aspect that never really got my attention. But if you put a director on any type of genre, no matter what I think about it, but I like that director, I'm going to see the movie. And how about you? Were you a big Walking Dead guy? No, I fucking don't like anything about zombies, to be honest. It's Mm -hmm. funny that you brought up the other Zack Snyder. Before I really knew that I was a Zack Snyder fan, I was a Zack Snyder fan. I saw that Dawn of the Dead, and I think that fucking version is amazing. I don't know if it's because it personally satisfied this weird need to run around a mall with Mm -hmm. no supervision. Because I was going to ask you at one point in here, where would you hunker down? And my answer is the fucking mall. I'm sorry to break ahead, but (laughs) like, it just was such a good idea in that movie. And it's just something that has stuck with me in my mind. But that's really all. I think I I got through maybe the first season of The Walking Dead. Somebody was like, you got to sit and watch it. And like just made me watch the first few episodes. And I was just like, okay. And never felt the need to go further at all. What do you think fascinates people about it? Do you think it is the fact of like just this world that you can go anywhere at? Or is this this weird underlying obsession that we might have of you know we we it's you you'll you'll get you'll go to jail for life if you kill someone else but in this fantasy world of yes they're zombies but they're they're killing people and finding all of these weird creative ways to kill all these people uh i don't know what do you think it is about that genre that captures people's attention i would say that you hit the nail on the head in both senses of a we could just do whatever we want Like going in and out of the store, like I said, with the mall, the mall was, again, my biggest thing of like, imagine going in and jumping on all the beds (laughs) Yeah. or going to the Hot Topic, FYE, GameStop, wherever you get your Funko Pops. Like for me, I can open every single Funko fucking pop. I have them all all of a sudden and just doing all that stupid shit is great. 
And B, as sadistic or as sick as it seems to say, yeah, I do think that people enjoy the fact of like, you mean I could kill somebody and nobody would get mad because it's a fucking zombie? That'd be fun. Right. It's not a, really a person. It's kind of a monster thing. So they're not in control of themselves. Let's kill them. Yeah, agreed. And I think the other thing that kind of puts that out on Main Street is a funny version of the zombie in a movie that I actually do like is Zombie Land. Okay, gotcha. That's with uh, Woody Harrelson, right? And Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, and the little girl from Little Miss Sunshine, whose name I can never remember. But they put a fun spin on it. You know, they go to Bill Murray's house. We're speaking of Hollywood. Imagine going in and out of all the Hollywood starlets' houses. Oh, yes. That'd be a good place to hunker down. A fucking mansion. Yeah, it would. So they go there. They see Bill Murray. They drive around. They go to an amusement park. I think doing all those things. Yeah, there are really gross zombies in that movie, but they show you the fun of a zombie apocalypse. And yeah, I think people just not having to get up and go to work is something that just fuels so many people. Like I could quit my job and maybe, maybe I'd find my boss as a zombie and fucking hit him with a hatchet (laughs) or some shit like that. And if my boss is listening, that's on me, sir. (laughs) I'm not a survivalist at all. I'm not one of those guys that's like, I've got my, my shed out back that has my supplies in case anything ever goes down. I've got my ammo. I've got my guns. I'm not that guy. So I know I wouldn't make it long in a zombie apocalypse, but I, I, you know, when you ask the question of where would I hunker down long term? Yeah. You'd want to go somewhere underground where you have supplies that you can live off of for hopefully a few years. But realistically, I would take the path you would of like, let me just go somewhere fun. Cause I know I'm not going to last long anyway. And and then once I'm done, let it be by my own hand. You know, it's that's that's just and I think that's most people. I don't, I don't think most people have like that survivalist thing of I've got a plan just in case. And I'm, I'm guilty of that. Yeah, I've never shot a gun to bring. I was watching comic book men and they kind of were in this conversation as well. And they go to a place in where they sell the exact equipment in which we're talking about. Not exactly for zombies, but a post-apocalyptic kind of situation. And they got to the point where they have a toilet seat that fits on a bucket. And I was like, that's where I'm done, guys. Like, I'm not going to shit in a bucket. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just not good at that. I'm not made for a lot of things. Shitting in buckets and no hot water is definitely one of those things. Like, I just, you're right. I would not last. I'd make my time of it to be the most fun that I can, just knowing you're probably going to die soon. (laughs) I love that idea of, I have to clean my ass with a hose no i think i'm where's the where's my one bullet <laughs> i'm not gonna yeah, do that exactly <laughs> my line for that kind of shit is just so small i told my wife too and i said i love you dear but like just so you know if anybody was torturing me the amount of torture is small i was using listerine <laughs> and there was a time where she was spitting in the sink so i couldn't so i had to hold the listerine for an extra i don't know 10 seconds and i was like oh my god this is agony i spit it out and i said if anybody's ever torturing me the limit is so low. All they make me do is gargle with Listerine. I'll tell them where the fuck you are within seconds. <laughs> so let alone a zombie apocalypse happening. Again, I have to clean my ass with a hose. Now nah, I'm good, guys. I'll see <laughs> yeah. you guys later. Fuck all. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about the hunkering. I think that was great. I Again, a mall, maybe go to a big city, find a mansion. That would be fun. The last question I have in here. If you are in this world and you had your zombie killing weapon of choice, what would you think you'd go with? Do you think you'd go with guns katanas what, what's up so i gave this a lot of thought i wouldn't go with anything that involved ammo because a gun is useless if, if you don't have bullets i mean you can you know hit some pistol whip someone and whatnot but those things will break over time so i would immediately not use any guns i wouldn't use anything with 
that needs sharpening either. And I know maybe that wouldn't be the hardest thing in the world to do. Sharpen an axe, which I almost picked as my thing, or like a sword, which swords could break, so I wouldn't go with a katana. Uh, but if I had to go with something sharp, it would be an axe. But I ended up landing on a sledgehammer. And yes, it does leave me open if I miss. But if I'm making it long enough to where I'm good at using the sledgehammer, it's versatile. I can push zombies. I don't have to hit them with a thing. I can push them back. I can, I can, it's got reach. It's got, it will, if I need to, I can just hold a zombie back with it. I don't need to sharpen the thing. And if I need to, I don't know what you call the metal piece at the very end. I feel like I couldn't break that easily anyway, but if I need to replace it, I can put something else that's heavy on at the end and, and use that as a sledgehammer. If I'm surviving months at a time, I, I'd, I'd be physically stronger, so I'd be able to swing the thing and not not struggle too much. I can burst zombie heads. I can take their legs out, especially if they're rotting corpses anyway. It's not going to need that much to do to really keep them from walking towards me. Uh, I'd go with the sledgehammer personally. What about you? To be honest, man, I also had an answer, but fuck it. Your answer's better. <laughs> What was yours? Let's hear it. I, I was going to go with, uh, for the Walking Dead fans, I am at least versed enough to know, with a Lucille type of weapon. Now, those who don't know, it's a baseball bat with the, the, the nail sticking out. And my point, it's kind of become cliche in the zombie movie, but I, I like it as well. Uh, same reason as you. I don't, I've never fired a gun, and B, I would run out of weapons. Or not weapons, bullets. Mm -hmm. So I could not agree more with that. I don't know how to sharpen a katana, so I'd probably end up fucking it up. But what you said at the end there, dude, like you can't really break a sledgehammer. And if you do, the, the, the bottom part is probably not what's broken. You just got to go and find another hammer or another. What's the handle? Mm -hmm. Like you're not going to break a goddamn sledgehammer over a zombie's face. It's just not right. going to happen. So that was probably the best. Yeah, like a war hammer of sorts more. So it reminds me of Game of Thrones. Robert Baratheon didn't have a sword like all the motherfuckers back in the day. He had a war hammer. And just like that, there's also a character in the Iliad who does that. But anyway, yeah, dude, a giant fucking hammer with something heavy at the back. Cause like you said too, even if I miss their head and I hit their foot, yeah, it's not going to hurt them cause they're zombies, but all of a sudden they're not walking as fast. Mm. Now I get my second bite at the apple to bring this shit down on their head. And yours wasn't bad. Either. I almost went with a bat as well. The only thing that kept me from, cause it, it's, it's faster at swinging. So if I miss, I can immediately swing backwards as well. And uh, if it's a situation where like maybe in the army of the dead, you know, you have fast zombies, then, uh, you're you're really screwed if I if I'm using a sledgehammer I'm screwed because as soon as I miss and that sledgehammer is down they're gonna jump on my shoulder or whatever and that, I'm a goner. If you can find a bat that won't like I'm I'm worried about a wooden bat shattering over time. But if like a metal bat or something that maybe not aluminum but something that won't break or shatter a bat's probably a better option especially if you can modify it with with glass or nails or whatever or something. Uh, maybe something that won't stick to the zombie skull so that that's another problem. That's another issue with like an ax where it could get stuck on the body part and then you're you're struggling to get that out. But those are probably the two two good answers that, uh, yeah, yeah, that would either a bat or sledgehammer. That's not a bad answer, though. Like, I'm glad you didn't go with uh, a shotgun. I feel like most people would immediately go to shotgun, but it's like, OK, but, you know, how much is that really going to help if you run out of ammo? And if you ever watch a movie, you know that these fuckers get put down in the clip change or when the barrels come down and they got to put new shells in like that's yes. when you're most vulnerable. So that's the other reason that I'm like, fuck you and fuck guns, because eventually, even if I had all the bullets, it's got to get reloaded. And that time is time in which I could have that shit over my shoulder or bat. I mean, so like mm -hmm. those moments, you got to fucking think of every moment 
At least that's what I think. I've, uh, I've never been in one, but that's what all the zombie movies make me think. Yeah, thankfully zombies aren't shooting guns yet, because then <laughs> Sledgehammer or Bat would be useless. I kind of thought that that was going to happen in this movie at one point. I thought really? that they were going to start shooting guns. Well, they started doing a lot of weird stuff in this movie. Like, yeah. they mixed a lot of zombie stuff, so I thought shit was going to go down. I was like, that's that's the next step. When we get zombies shooting guns <laughs> right. back at people, that's fucked up, dude. <laughs> that's the evolution right there, yep. I think that's the perfect segue, though, to get on out of this bros section and get into the superhero section where we're going to talk about Army of the Dead. Army of the Dead came out just a little bit ago, 2021. It ranks in at two hours and 28 minutes. Did you think that it felt two hours and 28 minutes long? It didn't feel that way, no. I didn't feel the two hours. Agreed. I thought it was really awesome. Directed by Zack Snyder, written by Zack Snyder, he did the story, and then him and Shay Hatton wrote the screenplay, and then Joby Harold came in and did something as well. I'm going to stop myself once again. Fun little thing. Did you know that when you see credits, the difference between the ampersand and the word and? No, I, I didn't notice that. I'll have to go. What, what was the difference? So if it's an ampersand, so this one says Zack Snyder, ampersand, Shay Hatton. And right. then it says, and Joby Harold. So that means Zack Snyder and Shay Hatton worked together to write this. And then Joby Harold got to do his own thing or put in his own notes or did something separate than the original crew. Whenever you see an ampersand, oh. that means they work together. And then when it's an and, it's it's they're, they're apart. Right, like they contributed separately to it, but didn't collaborate with Zack or Shay. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of like when you use it in a sentence. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like now that I think about it. It should have been obvious. That's cool. I wonder what, what Joby did. I'm wondering, maybe it was based on a plot and then Zach and Shay went in and rewrote it. I'd be curious to know. Me too. Yeah, I, I don't know. Every time I see that on writing credits or anything like that from now on, I'm always just like, I wonder what that person did. Yeah. <laughs> a storyline for anybody who doesn't know is following a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, a group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble, venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist ever attempted. Netflix went, make a zombie heist movie and... Zach's like, yeah, that'll be the base. Correct. That's where I'll start. I've got much <laughs> more ideas, but we have Dave Batista in here, Ella Purnell, Omari Hardwick, Anna De La Ruga. Damn, I don't think I said that right. Regruga. Damn it. I don't know. Theo Rossi. Yeah, I think it's Reguera. See? Yeah, that's, that's say her whole name just so I can. <laughs> Ana de la Reguera. There you go, guys. This next one is German. I'm going to fuck this one up, too. I know how to say Matthias. That's great. But then Schwarzenhofer, Schwegoffer. I'm very sorry. Nora <laughs> Asman and a bunch of other people whose names I'm just going to really I'm going to stop with the names because it's not going well. And as I look down, <laughs> it's not going to get much better, guys. <laughs> Tanaka as played by Scorpion from Mortal Kombat there. Thank you. Thank you very much. I was going to thank you. That was awesome. Um, he must have a great deal with Warner Brothers, huh? Probably one of those multi-picture deals that we hear about where you're going to be on for four movies, but it might not necessarily all be more to combat. Because this was, I have a fun fact, I don't know if you knew, that this was supposed to be a Warner Brothers film. Netflix mm -hmm. took, it, took it from them. Did you know that? Yeah, apparently Warner Brothers did. Uh, they wanted Zach to do this film on a much lower budget than what he asked for. And the rumor is that they knew that Zach would not agree with it and that they purposefully like lowballed the budget to get rid of him. So this was a Toby move. Like we don't want to be in the business of Zack Snyder. So yeah, we're, we don't want this project. We don't want you making more movies for us. And Netflix saw the value in it and they're they're They've earned the benefits of it. Now we, we could probably talk until we're blue in the face about my next question, but just really quickly, why do you think Warner brothers hates him so much? 
it's got to be a thing of egos. It's it's a it, the problem is, and it's clear as day to us now. Maybe two years ago, we were we were like, what is the problem? What's going on? But I think it's gotten to the point where ego is is mixed with business. They are not looking at Toby. It's mainly Toby, in my opinion. He's not looking at what's going to make the company money. He's instead looking at his hurt feelings and will not accept that maybe he was wrong about the direction that they were going in. And in, and doesn't want to admit that because it might make him look bad and it might cost him his job when his contract renewal comes up. Could be a number of reasons, but at at, at some point, I I would think you would go, okay, look, I was wrong about this direction. Why don't I support you now? And what next movie do you want to make? And he's just not in that mental space to do that, and it's unfortunate. Can you really think about that? Having a hundred million dollar ego or some shit like that, a billion dollar ego or something like that, where I don't care how much money I can make. I'm not saying I'm wrong. It's really weird and really bizarre that they want. And Zach has even said, he's like, I don't think I'm a pain in the ass. I, it seems like every time I try to do something, Warner Brothers is there to purposefully try to fight it. And and he's like, really? Like, he's like, I don't think I'm the asshole. <laughs> and, and if you see enough interviews with Zach, you're like, you can tell immediately when a person is that way. And you can tell that Zach seems to be a sweetheart. So uh, it's all Toby. And I, I can't wait for Toby to be gone because... That'll be better. Warner Brothers will be in a better state. And hopefully the future with Discovery, when David Zaslav makes those big decisions over there, uh, that's a man who wants to make money. And if he if he wants to make money, he will let the creatives, you know, to a point, do what they'd like to do. And if it makes money, let's do, make more of them. And for anybody out there who wants to see Zach, I found uh, not found, you know, they were asked to me on YouTube to watch the. He goes through his career. I think it's GQ that does that one. And then he does another one where he answers the Internet's most asked questions. And kind of like what you just said, I don't get prick from him at all. There's nothing about watching this where I'm watching. I'm like, huh, you could be a secret asshole and nobody would know. He just (laughs) genuinely seems like a really nice guy. And the quote that you said, even that I like, too, is like he's sitting there and goes, I don't think I'm a pain in the ass. Like, mm-hmm. I'm almost positive that's a word-for-word word quote of, like, I don't think I'm a pain in the ass. I don't know what I'm doing that's pissing them off so bad. I and Yeah, it's it sucks. It's too bad. But it's like I've said before, if he does his whole career outside of Warner Brothers and never touches another DC character, I won't blame him. And I'd, I'm just happy that for him to do what he wants to do and where he feels um, he'll be happy at. So where, wherever that may be, I'll fully accept if he never touches another DC property. Well, he was definitely happy here because not only did he get to direct and get to write, he was also his own director of photography. Did you happen to see the extra feature of him talking about that? I did. And it was amazing (laughs) with all the lenses. And he's like, I bought this lens off of eBay and it does this. And I was just sitting there like, wow, he really loves this shit. Like, oh, Zach, go. You're having so much fun. And yeah, he's like, when I'm behind the camera, it could be like 30 feet away and I'm over. No, right now I've got the shit on my shoulder and I just say, hey, do this. And then I put that shit back on my shoulder and I'm directing again. Like it was fucking fascinating. I I like that in the moment kind of directing. That's what I always thought it was, you know. And then as I grew up and I started to see just dudes sitting behind the thing going, all right, go. I'm like, oh, I always thought that they were like there and doing stuff. So I love that. If I was ever going to make a film. No, I'm not even going to say it that way. When I make a film. Because eventually I fucking will. That's the type of director I want to be of like, I want to be right fucking there, like in that shit. And you got the impression from Zach that he just had a ton of fun 
making this movie. He wasn't pressured by he needs to fit it into a certain timeline or the studio kind of hovering over his shoulder and, and being like, no, let's not go in that direction. Let's do this. They gave him his 90 million and they're like, we just need a movie at the end of it and we'll put it up on Netflix. And and he's like, all right, great. So I, I can use any lens I'd like. I'm going to mess around with this. I'm going to have fun with the actors and and the budget's going to be, you know, it's a, it's a nice and healthy budget. So we're going to have these amazing green screen cgi recreations of vegas since they can't actually film there and then we're going to make it post-apocalyptic and he just got to do what he'd like and i i feel like that's something he needed after everything that went down at warner brothers you can even watching the film you can just tell that he had a great time doing it and you can see it in the actors faces as well really could not agree anymore I think that's also evident in him doing what he wants because it opens up in a very strange way, if you ask me, but in a great way, a way that I never started. I never would have thought a movie would start and spoilers out there are going to start right now for anybody. But the entire movie is predicated on Roadhead. Yeah, <laughs> right. If some guy wasn't getting his dick sucked while driving a car. This entire movie wouldn't have happened. And I think that that's fucking weird and hysterical and just different. Isn't that how these weird things happen, though? Like people were saying on on Twitter, that's legitimately probably how a zombie apocalypse would happen over something dumb like that. Fucking A. Yes. Yes. And that's why I both thought it was so weird. Not weird because it's strange, but weird because it's like, what a great approach. That's exactly what would happen. A dumb fuck not paying attention and releasing this by accident is so much more realistic to me than like there's an evil underground experimentation and shit's going on in the government and like you know what i mean just nope just some guy getting his dick sucked couldn't keep his eyes on the road and hit the convoy that was carrying zeus the original fucking zombie in this movie and fucking a i i loved it i thought it was so fucking hysterical and they're coming out of area 51 too did you notice the spaceships that they had at the beginning there I didn't. I read that later. So I'm going to have to go back and watch it a second time and definitely look for that. But after I read that, I was like, God damn, Zach, you're just so cool. You know, I I don't want to I'm not making an alien movie. It doesn't mean I can't put aliens in this. though. like I fucking love that idea as well. Yeah. And that was the weird. I mean, it got a lot of questions out there of does the zombie originate from space or at least this disease? Are they then do they is it like a xenomorph where they they're born out of our bodies and the zombies are just in a phase of evolution and it's going to eventually be an alien like creatures we don't know and there's a lot of that there's he gives us a little bit of that origin and he says some of that's going to be answered in the prequels but it's just cool that there's enough in there that gets your mind going i'm like oh that's kind of neat we got sort of some answers there area 51 it makes sense two giant spaceships and that's where zach leaves it (laughs) he's like now let's get into the heist movie and it's like wait wait hold on but what about and he's like oh you want to see more of this okay well we got to make sure it's a success first I'll, I'll circle back around. Don't worry, guys. Yeah, we saw them, but let's just go back to this over here. You're yep. right. Fucking He's brilliant. a marketing genius. He really is. The other thing I want to talk about is I can't think of only one other movie that discusses Roadhead, and it ends just as bad. Have you ever seen the movie Parenthood? Yeah, yeah, about, uh, about a decade ago now, but yeah. That movie is so good, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I want to look it up so I can get the exact right date. 1989. So it's been a while since a roadhead joke was made, but Steve Martin is driving with his wife, who's played by the mom and stepbrothers. I can't think of her name off the top of my head. Hold on. Mary Steenbergen. So he's just had a hard day. Their son threw his retainer out. They're driving home from the Chuck E. Cheese, even though I'm sure they can't say Chuck E. Cheese. And she's like, I know something that'll make you relaxed. And she makes the move to go downtown. And the next thing you know, 
they've hit a street post and the cops are there and the cops like, what were you doing? That was so distracting. And they look at each other and it's a ha ha. But I, I just, that's the other thing I couldn't stop thinking of when I watched this was just like, we got to bring back roadhead in movies. Cause it's funny and it makes zombies happen sometimes. That's right. <laughs> that's roadhead. Yeah. And that's when that scene was going on and the guy was like, Oh, like Kelly was like, has he never got, is this his first blowjob ever? <laughs> is like the way he said, or she's amazing at it. I don't know. She's, she's a pro, but that's is one thing that we noticed. It was sure. It's a movie and it's a little overacted, but uh, we were like, yeah, that guy's really enjoying that. Yeah. So yeah, roadhead starts this thing. And then this Zeus zombie starts killing everybody, making them what we would now know to be alphas. He is an alpha zombie, and when he makes zombies, they become more alphas, which will play part a little bit more. He sees Las Vegas in the distance, and then we go into some of the coolest opening credits that have ever been shot, if you ask me. It reminded me of Watchmen's. And Fucking A. A beautiful, like, you got a score or a song, at least, a soundtrack, and then you got all of these shots of... Uh, this established the characters. It established the world that they're in. It showed us how Vegas got put on lockdown. It brought us up to speed while giving us amazing visuals and a, a, and a really cool song. A lot of people may or may not know the the movie mantra, if you ask me, is show, don't tell. Yes. And he is brilliant at that in this opening scene. He's brilliant at that in a lot of ways. But like you said, rather than Dave Bautista and all the rest of the gang going, we've hunted zombies since the beginning. Remember that time you had to blow up those those uh, that couple in the car or just any of the other shit in which he could have explained via dialogue later on perfectly in the beginning. It's amazing. And as I watched this, I was like, God damn, sir, if you could do anything half as well as this guy does this, you would be a great filmmaker because. It's it's perfect. It really is just amazing. Like you 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 even say that phrase. You're up to speed. Boom. There mm-hmm. you are. It's this is where we are now and go. And I loved I loved these opening credits so much. I think it was on YouTube that they put up the first 15 minutes of this movie and someone already pointed out like, all right, now there's tits on YouTube. So if you're like a, a 15 year old, if, I know if I were a 15 year old boy, I'd be like, now I can watch boobies on YouTube without having to over, you know, not do the weird circum, whatever the browser block to try to get to those websites. Like it's on YouTube now. You can just watch zombie tits. And that was like, really YouTube it's up there. And I guess so. Yeah. The first 15 minutes of the movie are right there on YouTube. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's fucked up. I'm surprised they're letting that happen. Weird. I don't know if it's like a Netflix, like as long as you agree that you're over 18, you can watch it. And I wonder, too, if those are just this is such a weird tangent. Do you think that those boobies are makeup or do you think that they're bodysuit boobies? Are they even real boobies? Maybe that's how they get away with it. Uh, they, I mean, they've got to be real, right? Fuck if I know. That's true. Yeah, that was another great thing of just taking all of these Vegas iconography. So we mentioned we've never been to Vegas, but the idea of a Vegas showgirl and what they look like is in my head. Mm-hmm. Then to see a zombie one is like, oh, that's cool. And then to yeah. see, you know, Vegas is another place. What are you going to see when you go to Vegas? A fucking Elvis impersonator. Mm-hmm. You're gonna. How do I know that? I've never been there. It's just something that's inside the DNA of Vegas. And they showed us a zombie, one of those. I'm like, this is just, he knows so much about everything. And he's giving us everything we want before we know that we want it. Well, that was kind of also the smart thing of, where are you going to make this heist movie? Well, in Vegas, like they've th- thought of this so far ahead of time. And that's where you get these cool visuals, like you mentioned, of the zombie Elvis and you get the zombie showgirls. And this, like everyone's in costumes, it seems like in Vegas. So you would see all of these zombified version, uh, versions of these characters and and magicians and all this other stuff. That you, It's just if you're a filmmaker, it just 
endless possibilities. You can do all kinds of crazy shit with that just by setting it in Vegas. Which he does. He takes full advantage of, and he puts us into a zombie motherfucking tiger. Yes. <laughs> one of because the Siegfried and Roy apparently had one, and it got out, or I don't know why it was turned, but we have a white tiger zombie in this movie. And I thought, when I first saw this, I was like, that's a little ridiculous. And then I saw the movie, and I was like, that's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> like, it just fits in the rest of the ridiculousness of the movie. And it works. It somehow works. It really did. And with that, I have another little fun fact. A live tiger, carefully decorated in makeup, was used for some of the shots, but for the computer-generated model, the reference was one of Carol Baskin's tigers. Carol Baskin? That goddamn Carol Baskin from Tiger King. Do you think she got paid for that? Oh, the fact yeah. that they used it? Nah, that's too bad. <laughs> that's the one thing I'm like, no. <laughs> fuck yeah, dude. I, I don't know what anybody says or thinks about that show, but she's no different than Joe Exotic or the other Doc Antle guy. Like mm-hmm. she has giant cats and she makes money off of them. How she got them is her business. And like, that's what she's saying. Like, I rescued them. I'm not breeding. It doesn't matter. You're still using their majestic beauty to make money and to have all these people do free work for you and shit. So, yeah, weird tangent. But I thought that like, what a great thing, you know, 2020 and 2021 coming together to give us a zombie tiger. Yes. <laughs> and I, I thought it looked cool. They designed it in a way where it looked realistic. You know, you see the flesh kind of. Uh, rotted away, but it's been rotting for who knows how long. I think they said in the film like six months or so. I don't, I don't remember, but uh, it, it works. And with a tiger that color, you can. It's just striking to see this beautiful white tiger on one end, and then half of it is fully zombified. You see the skull, and they call it Valentine. And it's, it's on its own. It's another character in the film, and they made it work. Truly. It really was just one of my favorite parts. And uh, again, I kind of thought it was going to be silly, but yeah, she ended up being fucking boss. As we've kind of explained for anybody who's not watched Vegas gets taken over. They quarantine it. They're going to blow it the fuck up. And that's when this guy says, hey, if all of you go and steal money from me, you can have some of it. And that's that's where the movie's going to come in. He goes and he gets his team together. Dave Bautista is who I'm talking about. And that was another great part. So like they say, you're going to get this much money. And then throughout his hiring process, he breaks it down into different sums. It's one of the only movies, you know, everybody in a heist movie, I go right to Ocean's Eleven. Like, let's just say there's $11 million. There's 11 guys in that movie. We each get a million dollars. And this had nothing to do with that, which I thought was great, you know, because a ringleader of sorts probably would think this way of like, how would you like to make $200,000? Yeah. (laughs) Some people were way more expensive than others. The YouTuber, he was the cheapest, wasn't he? Like the 200,000 or whatever. Yes, he was the cheapest, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) And like, because to a YouTuber, yeah, $200,000 is a lot of fucking money. And then he splits it with his two crew members that he brings in, one of which uh, cowards out. But he's like, no, they're they're on my dime. It's like, all right, Dave doesn't care. Welcome aboard. (laughs) I thought that was great, too. So now they're all brought together. So this guy can teach them what's going to happen. What was his name? I'm sorry. Bly Tanaka. Bly is his first name. I never... (laughs) We're just going to call him Tanaka. So Tanaka Tanaka goes through the plan. And one of the guys like, fuck this. And I thought that was great. Another thing I've never seen in an action zombie movie of just like one of the people going, oh, oh, I didn't know what I was signing up for. Okay, no, no, no. I'm I'm sorry, guys. I'm I'm, going to leave. That's the plan. Okay, well, now I know the plan. I don't want to be a part of this. Thanks, though. And nobody kills them. Nothing bad happens. It's just a part of the movie. Just leaves. And I was like, that's fucking funny. Again, I never see that type of shit. And it's something that you'd think you'd see a lot more. 
And I, I almost expected, I don't know if it's like a trope, but I'm like, oh, one of the Tanaka's hench guy is going to go kill him now because, but then I'm like, wait, why would it matter? Why, what's he, if he tells other people that they're going to steal this, who cares? People in the camp could do a full lockdown, but it really didn't need to be addressed. No, that was the part that bothered me the most out of this entire movie was the character of Martin played by Garrett Dillahunt. I need to ask you, are we led to believe that in every movie that we watch that there are no movies what do you mean? Like in this universe, are there no films that show that the guy who's going to send you on this trip is also going to send his own muscle to fucking kill you and take you out? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like you, you feel immediately they should have not trusted him. And they kind of reference that. They go in and they say it. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. great. We're going to go against what I was just feeling. And they say it, but then they don't act on it. And he ends up bad guy being bad guying until the very end of his role in there. And that that was the only part of this movie. I was like. Have you guys never seen a movie? Have you guys <laughs> never seen a fucking movie yourselves to realize that this guy's going to fuck you the second he gets you? Yeah, I like that scene where he's like, why is everyone looking at me? <laughs> and, uh, exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Dave didn't end up doing anything about it. They kind of split up. They focused on the vault and then he went off with Coyote. And that's sort of where he gets separated from everything else and he gets his. But uh, like, like we expected, and Zach said he wanted to make the tropiest of of tropes when it comes to the zombie genre. And sure enough, he betrays him. That's a good point. Yeah. If you are going for the tropiest trope, that was the only one that seemed really over the top of just like, and we'll get to why another reason why in just a second, as we kind of go through the story, because mm-hmm. you brought up the coyote. That was a badass character. There's some sort of almost what seemed to be an internment camp outside of Vegas, outside of the wall that was set up to keep anybody who might become a zombie there later kind of alluded to the fact that this has now become America's dumping ground for people that they historically don't like. Right. You know, one of the people, one of the characters like they advocate for gay rights, they get sent there. Or if they do this or that, they get sent there. So it's not just a place for maybe zombies. We have kind of found out that it is an internment camp for all intents and purposes. It's definitely not a place that you want to be, especially when you have people like Theo Rossi, who was playing Burt Cummings walking around. God, that guy is so good at being an asshole. He sucked, man. I I did not. Such a slimy fucking piece of shit from the get-go. You immediately are like, okay, we know we hate this guy. We want to see him get his. And does he typically always play that character? Is he typecast? Oh, I would think so. My biggest knowing of him came from Sons of Anarchy. Mm -hmm. And even though he was good at the beginning of that, he ends up turning and kind of becoming a little sleazy. And there was one other one that I thought of in my head when I was writing this down that I knew him from. That I can't think of now as I was watching this. I was like, oh, so you're just always the asshole. Hold on. Yeah, Luke. fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, really fuck that guy because it really. Oh, Luke Cage, he was in that as well. We are introduced to him right away. And he's kind of pushing up on Ella Purnell, who plays Kate Ward. We later find out it's Dave Bautista's daughter. Is it his full daughter? Like biological? I don't I don't know because he she called him Scott. And I didn't know if that was because she was upset at him and didn't want to call him dad. And he refers to her mom as your mother. And I don't know. Like, I felt like it wasn't his biological daughter, but someone that obviously he viewed as a daughter, someone he took care of and loved. In the opening credit, we do see him putting a knife in a lady's head and then her mm-hmm. watching and going, what the fuck? So as we're talking about now, I agree in the fact that I don't think that that was his biological daughter for the line of what you just said. If like who as a father describes somebody's mother as 
your mother rather than like, you know, like my wife or something like that. Mm -hmm. It did kind of seem really that he made it sound like, no, that was just your mother. I'm not your father. So I would agree with that. But now she has decided with this trauma to help others. She's in this internment camp and she gets hassled for a very, very, what's the word? Light word to say a very not strong way to say it by Theo Rossi. And like you said, we basically have that interaction to realize that he's a dick. And when he gets his coming, coming ups, that it's going to be good because fuck that guy. And when they use the little temperature gun, I was like, and I know they filmed this, I believe, before we had the COVID shutdowns and everything. But it was just kind of like, oh, this is kind of weird, <laughs> you know, because we do have we did have that. Very poignant right now. Do, yes. So, yeah. So that's going on outside of Vegas. Now these people have to break into Vegas. When they show up there, Ella is like, hey, this lady who I like might be in there. So I'm coming with you. And Scott's like, all right. That's the one. Yeah. All right. So plot wise, Kelly and I both agreed on this. My wife, that if you really cared about these kids, because she mentions that she helped raise the the kids that were, I think the character's name was Geta, that she helped raise them. And she's like, but, you know, logically, just plot wise, you would think, OK, well, I'm going to take care of these kids then and I'm going to help some way or somehow we're going to get out of this or at the very least I'm going to watch over them while we're stuck at these camps. But instead she decides to also possibly get herself killed. So now the kids are left with no one in the end if she dies. So it was kind of a weird thing. Like, I, I guess I get, I get the, she did not trust her dad to go and find their mom, but that wasn't to me enough motivation. If you really love these kids to leave them to go find their mom herself. Yeah, only two people in this world love these kids. One of them's gone, and I should abandon them to go find her. Doesn't, I don't agree. I, or I do agree in the fact that I don't agree with that logic of just like, what the fuck kind of thinking is that? Yeah, and I understand the bit with Dave, because she's like, well, if you don't let me in, I'm going to go in there. I'll figure out a way in, and because I've been here longer than you have. And I, I'll just make it on my own, and I'll probably die. So either that, or you bring me with, and you can watch over me personally. I, I understand Dave Bautista's part of it, but hers of wanting to leave... That, that one I didn't buy. Agreed. But they all go in there and they have this side character. We mentioned the coyote. She works or doesn't work. Like, what is she doing? She's just what is she doing before the movie starts? Actually, she is taking people into Vegas and it seems like they are taking money from the slot machines. I think that was mentioned at one point And that's how they're able to because they've done it in the past. If you get about five grand, you can buy your way out of the camp. So she's helping other people in the camp do that because there does seem to be some kind of noble uh, thing to her character where uh, she mentions the rapist, you know, accuses him. And she's like, I've seen what you've done to these women. She probably watches over some of them herself. But uh, it sounds like she also wants to get people out of that camp and 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 help them out. And I'm assuming she gets a cut of it at the end of the day. That makes so much more sense. I am so much happier with that. Maybe I just looked away i didn't hear correctly but i was very confused at why she was like money i knew that but where the money was coming from but that makes sense yeah i'm gonna help you get into vegas you steal a bunch of money buy your way out and give me a slice and see you later that yeah okay that makes sense and she she sticks around to help others yeah yeah that's fucking brilliant and she gives us she's the one i'm sorry i'm jumping all over the place hold on now that we have the team assembled we go into vegas and we learn that there is a hierarchy of zombies this was my favorite part of the movie. I love the fact, you know, because they call them shamblers in this mm-hmm. movie. Shamblers are the the day of the dead ones. You know, the original slow kind of zombies that I would say most people are accustomed to. Then we got sprinters at some point. I think maybe like 28 days later, 
was the first time I saw a sprinter. Those are the really fast zombies. And then sometimes you, as a zombie genre, it would seem as though the director or the writer had to make a choice. Are they going to be shamblers or sprinters? And this is in Zach's genius of like, why not both? Mm-hmm. And then and why not the origin, two? Yeah. yeah, have alphas, ones that are a little bit smarter, you know, people that are calling the shots and they are just that they're people. I loved this part of it. Cause now as we enter into Vegas, this coyote girl is like, listen, they do shit different here and we have to give them a sacrifice of sorts. And that's when we get Burt Cummings, AKA the rapist weirdo from the internment camp. He gets shot in the leg and the queen comes and takes him off. And yeah, I love that. Then that's when we first see the uh, other alphas in there. Cause we first got to see Zeus in the beginning and kind of understand that there's a culture to this land. It's not, as she says, we're, they're not this isn't a prison to them this is their kingdom you know they've established themselves and for the most part they just kind of want to live there they want to do their own thing it doesn't sound like they were trying to get out of vegas uh zeus was perfectly happy and i raise starting to raise a family as we're learning later but uh they're kind of doing their own thing and if you're going to walk in their kingdom there's gonna you're gonna have to pay something and you know, hats off to them that they even did that because they could have easily just gone, no, no one's allowed in here. You're dead. But they're like, no, if you want to add to our army of shamblers or alphas, then great. You can spend X amount of time in here. And it seems like there is a limit because the queen later comes back for another sacrifice and it's not there. That's also another brilliant point of like, this is their kingdom. They're not trying to leave because we have figured out that some of them are smart enough and they're definitely powerful enough. You know, three shipping containers isn't the tallest thing in the world. You could definitely climb those things, but they don't want to. I think you're right. I think that they're happy there. And they're just like, fuck it. They built us a wall. This is great. We're our own country. I'm pretty sure America is also like Las Vegas is no part, no longer part of the USA. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They denounced that part of the world. So, yeah, I think they're happy as fuck. And I one of the things that you had pointed out of like we get both the shamblers and the alphas and you made them work in this world. And I kind of wanted to see that, but when they first get in there, you see all of those shambler bodies kind of dried up and lay in there. And Coyote says, you should see it when it rains, they come back to life for a little bit. And I'm like, oh my God. So like those, they dry out over time and they just lay there and they never really die. They truly are the undead unless you blow up their, destroy their heads. But she mentions like, if it get, if you get a little bit of rain, they start moving around and it's just like that image creeped me the hell out i don't know it's the only part it's not a scary movie but that idea got to me and kind of going back to what we're talking about earlier we don't see it happen which is something i assumed was going to happen you know when all else Mm -hmm. fails at the very end well they can't get much worse and then you hear a storm cloud yeah what i thought was going to happen or some shit like that and we don't get it which at first i was like well that's kind of why why put it there if we're not going to do it but it's the same thing as the aliens if you ask me of like oh we'll get there Mm-hmm. Don't worry, guys. I'm just laying stuff. I'm laying down tracks. I know you can't see where they're going right now, but don't worry about that because I got some fucking plans. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. So I hope later on we get to see that. You had mentioned these alphas creating their own culture. And that was great because one of the things that you see in there at the very beginning is that Zeus goes to his queen and puts his ear to her tummy. It's it's basically saying like, oh, man, there's a baby in there. And he's happy. Yeah. He's a happy zombie. And that's another thing I don't think since I am legend, because if I'm not mistaken, that movie had him capture a zombie and like it was somebody's mate and that mate just wanted the zombie back. Right. I yep. think I'm not 100 percent. It's been a while since I've seen that. It's been a while, but it was small. Maybe it wasn't even a big part of it. 
Whereas this, that's the whole relationship between them. We know it from the get go of like, that is like, she's not called the queen because she's second in command. Like she's the king's mate, the king's spouse, the king's partner. And they got a baby in them. I thought that was, again, another weird thing of just like, go, Zach, go. And you see affection towards one another in the in their weird zombie, almost animalistic way. And he fucking made us care about that shit. Like, fuck, now we care about this zombie relationship. God damn it. Part of me is also rooting for them now. Of course I would be in, in a Snyder film. <laughs> and just to skip to the very end, guys, I'm sorry to be jumping around. But just while we're on the topic of this, the bad guy cuts the queen's head off. Zeus finds his queen without her head, takes the body back, and he's all weepy and shit, digs into her pregnant belly and finds the little fetus and cries, lets out a single fucking tear. And again, that's where what you were just saying. I was like, fuck humans. Fuck them all. Let the zombies take over. They were fucking around like they were letting them do their own thing. And the guy had to fucking kill his queen and his baby. And it's like, God damn it, man. Like one piece of shit, of course, ruined it for for the rest of them. None of them had that that in there. They didn't want to go after him. They don't want to fuck with him. They just want to go into the vault, get the money and fly out of here. But he had to fuck it all up. And I'm like, you know what? Go get him. Like, fuck that guy. And, and I don't blame you if you want to kill the whole crew of them. Agreed. This guy has her head and he thinks that he's going to go and get out. But it brings us back to Valentine really quick and what we were talking about a little bit earlier of why this works so well. The tiger ends up killing the shit out of the bad guy. And it's gnarly. Like, it's really, really good looking. Going back to the little documentary, if you're watching the show on Netflix, you can also find the 30 minute making of where they show the actor who plays this guy, Garrett Dillahunt. Like they wired him up and stuff. And like when you see this guy thrashing, it's really him getting thrown around via wires. And I thought that was awesome. I thought that that whole death scene was both very terrifying, but awesome. And I'm sorry to keep just being a broken record of the fact of it's just something I've never seen before. The actor wanted to do those himself. And it makes me like the character a little bit. I'm like, all right. He he cared enough about that role to where he's like, well, I want to do those stunts because that'll look better on film. And Zach's like, all right, cool. And he gets like a two minute death scene. And I'm like, fuck, yes. As a viewer, I'm like, get yours. You you don't need to die quickly. We need to see you suffer. And, and sure enough, he does. That's what was great, too. Yeah, it just kept going. I was like, oh, eventually he's going to kill him. And he just kept throwing <laughs> him around for a while. And I was like, this is fucking gnarly. <laughs> keep going valentine <laughs> i was rooting for the tiger for once i was like just keep going and then the way he bites off his fucking face yes so brilliant so gnarly so disgusting oh i loved everything about that fucking guy getting dead because he really did suck and we expect that out of a zombie film and he gave us gore he gave us blood he had a ton of it and some of it was practical effects some of it was cgi but it all worked going through it so i don't know if i mentioned or not the reason that they have to go in and steal the money now of all times is because we're gonna blow up las vegas we america so we're gonna drop an a-bomb on it on the fourth of july (laughs) which then later becomes a plot point of like some people didn't like that so we're gonna move it up a day so now this time heist or this uh what's it called not a time heist uh This heist movie now gets sped up a little bit by the time window shrinking by 24 hours. Now they've only got 90 minutes to get out. Politics at work. It's realistic. You know, people had an issue and they're like, all right, well, we're going to change that bombing plan. (laughs) And I do. I agree with the fact that that is true. I don't agree with most of America going, don't do it on that day. Because I unfortunately don't think too highly of the majority of Americans. And I feel like <laughs> over 50% of them been like, oh, that's a good idea. Blow it up on 4th of July. Big fireworks. Boom. <laughs> yep. 
So the and, fact that there was such an outcry for this to them have a change, that was a point where I was like, no way, no <laughs> fucking way, dude. If anything, we'd have people coming from all over the country yes. to get as close as they can without being affected by radiation to come and watch it while tailgating and shooting off their own fireworks. Like this would be a sea of redneck dummies just coming to watch it. There's no way that they change that. But I get for the reason of the movie, you know, make it even more suspenseful why they mm-hmm. did it. But no, that was the part where I was just like, I could see the legions of trucker hats coming to like, oh, we're going to watch it blow up. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> I, I'm guilty of it, though, because when they have the president say, well, I thought it would have been cool and, and a good idea. Kelly's like, that would have been your president. You like that president, don't you? I'm like, I, it's kind of true, though. I mean, it, it is on the 4th of July. You know, it'd be the biggest firework ever. <laughs> it really is. So that was funny as fuck of why they're going to do that. The time kind of speeds up. We have to get to the vault even quicker as we're going. And the one guy who I haven't talked about at all, who I think was my favorite, was Dieter, played by Matthias Schwagerhofer. Sorry. Um, he was the safe cracker and he was also the funny guy, which I didn't have a problem with because we don't know anything about him. I think we were talking either when we did King Kong or when we did Mortal Kombat, you know, like having characters be funny because they're there and need to be funny didn't work for me as much. I don't know much about Kano, but why he was the funny guy just rubbed up against me the wrong way because mm-hmm. he's the Mortal Kombat fighter. I didn't think any of them should be funny. That's just me. Whereas this guy, knowing nothing about him, every time he said something funny or he was quirky, I was like, oh, that's because he's quirky. Yes. Yeah, it worked naturally. It, it didn't feel like they inserted a joke into the script because they needed to have a lighter tone or anything like that. It just worked with the character. And Zach's usually a little more subtle with his humor. And in this one, you get some moments yeah, of him like screeching and when a zombie would get nearby and, and all that. But it wasn't there were no cringy lines, if that makes any sense. Like there wasn't something in there that was like, oh, and you roll your eyes. It, it all worked with the character. Agreed. He was both scared and excited all the time, like anybody would be. There's a point where he pops a zombie and he goes, oh, you didn't think I was a zombie killer, motherfucker. Now look. And then the guy looks at him. He's like, all right, sorry, I might have gotten a little bit too loud there. You're right. It just all made sense for the character and for his arc to go through it. Because when we first meet him, too, he's in this meeting with um, Tanaka, as he's explaining, and he raises his hand and asks dumb (laughs) questions. But at the same time, like, I'm that guy who's like, I'm going to ask a question that's going to seem dumb, but at least I'll have an answer. You know, like that kind of maybe it should be this way is like, no, it's done that way. You know what I mean? I do that at work all the time where I say, listen, this is going to seem fucking stupid, but. I have to be positive rather than have that 1% where I will probably fall in error. And I also love that he and Omari, like as soon they established that at the beginning where Omari was constant, his character was constantly annoyed by him and rolling his eyes at his questions. He's like, this we're re- really, we're bringing this guy. And Dave's telling him the whole time, like, look, he's a safe cracker. He's not one of you guys. He's not one of us where we kill zombies. And that's what we do. We need him to get the money. None of us can open that safe. And I love that they eventually ended up becoming like the best of friends throughout their their little journey here. And it, it worked out where you took these two opposite characters and you give them a little bit of time in the vault. And suddenly they start relating to each other and, and seeing the value and what they each bring and respecting each other to the point where one sacrifices himself for the other. And I that was my favorite relationship and, and two of my favorite characters in the movie, uh, a relationship that I enjoyed more than Dave and his daughters, actually. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. That relationship was definitely better than anything I had going on there. We do cut. The zombies get in. 
uh, he thinks, I'm sorry, let me get their names. So Dieter thinks that, what was the other guy's name? Vanderhoe. Vanderhoe? Vanderhoe, I guess, yeah. Vanderhoe, thank you. So Dieter knows that Vanderhoe is going to die. So instead of letting that happen, he sacrifices himself, pushes him into this vault, and dies himself. And it's great because this guy who, quote unquote, wasn't a hero, wasn't one of them, as you said, Mm -hmm was the best of them in a moment and it was great that's one of the characters that i keep seeing online on twitter and people that i talk to in person they love Dieter. that was one of their favorite characters if not the favorite and it's cool to know that he's gonna he's directing that live action prequel and also directing it and will be starring in it as well so we're gonna get more of that character fuck yeah i didn't know that the only problem that i had with his character or with the movie i guess is that they kept trying to pretend like he wasn't in really great shape like, I get he wasn't as jacked as Vandero, but compared to me, like, that dude was in great shape. They kept trying to hide his bulk, but they put him in a shirt at one point where his biceps are tight in it. You know, he does not mm-hmm. look like a slouch or somebody who could not do. That guy looks like he could do 50 push-ups just because I told him to. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he didn't look like your traditional safe cracker. You know, glasses, maybe out of shape, older probably. Yeah, and I get that the actor is in his 40s, but he looked like they were trying to make him uh, like the youngest, one of the youngest in the group. And yeah, you're right. He he was very much, very much looked like a fighter. It looked like he belonged in there. Agreed. The second character who I liked the best after that is something that I didn't even know got all like thrown around. So let me explain a little bit. Tig Natura, played by Marion Peters, is in this movie. I didn't know this, and this is from my little fun fact sheet. So following the removal of Christiella from the film, Tignatura was digitally inserted to take his place. As this took place after filming had completed, Natura worked without meeting any of the cast, with the exception of Anna... Ooh, you say it, sorry. <laughs> Anna de la Reguera. Thank you. The filming of their scene together took only a half a day. So anybody who doesn't know the names too well... The air pilot person, the, the mm. helicopter person, if you will, was supposed to be played or was played by Chris D'Elia. Chris D'Elia got into some really disgusting waters when a bunch of young girls were saying that he's trying to get them to have sex with them and send them naughty photos and shit like that. So he was rightfully so kicked to the curb of Hollywood a fuck off, get out of here. But I had never heard of something like this happening where. Zach was pretty much so disgusted, I'd have to say, that he paid a good chunk of money to get Tig to come in and redo all this shit. And you mentioned that on this level, even we haven't real, at least I haven't seen anything like this, where normally, like when the Kevin Spacey stuff went down, they had to re bring everyone back in and we're going to reshoot these scenes now because we're replacing it with this character. But in this case, they were, they shot Tig's scenes and then they digitally inserted her into the film. And uh, they didn't have to do any extensive reshoots for that, which I guess tells us the level of technology we're at. And unless you had told me and I was specifically paying attention and watching Tig's character the whole time and like looking for like, oh, maybe right there is where they I can see the flaw in the shadows sort of right there. I didn't notice until like I didn't even I didn't know which character it was. And now that I'm watching it a second time, I'm trying to point out like, OK, so Tig's not really there. Like now that's in my mind. But otherwise it was seamless. For my second viewing, yeah, I'm going to go back and try to find the ailings at the very beginning. I'm going to go to try to view of how good this is because I didn't notice it at all. You really could not have convinced me of it as I was watching it that one of these people is not here. 
Now, when I go back and I think of it in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, she was alone on top of the building with the helicopter a while. Like, that was probably really easy to do. And different things like that, I noticed, oh, yeah, she is a little bit more alone than everybody else. But there's got to be a point where all they're all standing together. And I'm just going to look for that of just like, oh, I think I see it. Maybe it's there or some shit like that. But I think you just commented on like, wow, fucking technology is amazing. And ended up being a good replacement because I know that's another character that I hear a lot about. People ended up liking Tig a lot. And one of my regulars at the comic shop was like, I'm not a fan of Tig as a because she's a comedian. I'm not a fan of uh, her comedy, but she was good in the movie. So it, it's uh, it was a success overall. I'm going to look her up. I didn't know. Like, I think that it's also funny or ironic or maybe it was a choice that because Christy Elia was a comic. Right. For the most part, he did some acting. And from what I read, too, he did some acting in that You show on Netflix where he played a kind of child pedophile. And it's like, oh, oh wow, boy. what a stretch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, wow, none of the casting directors is like, well, he's hitting this really well. It seems very strange. <laughs> well, but, the casting director is amazing. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but I thought it was not weird or I don't know what I think of it, that they were like, rather than just any other actor or actress, they were like, we need another comedian for this role. Yeah, I guess it needed to be that. Someone that could nail the lines of, of uh, you know, your comedic timing and who else but a, a comic. Yeah, good point. Because that opening scene of where they get her is it, it was one of my favorite things maybe ever written of just like, all right, we've got this heist. Like, I'm in. It's like, you don't want to hear it? It's like, no, my life fucking sucks. Anything to make this better, like $50 million or however much she was offered, like that will change everything. So fuck mm-hmm. this. Like, yeah, I'm in. And like, I feel like I'd be at that point, too, if there was a town full of zombies of just like. Yeah, I'm tired of working. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm right. tired of all this. I'll, I'll go and do it. I, I, that was the other favorite line too. If like, I'm guessing you need me to fly a helicopter. Like I'm the <laughs> helicopter person. So yeah, don't worry, I'm in. I'll fly the helicopter. That's what I do. Yep. And that's what she did. As we go through, we do lose a lot of people and kind of the backtrack of the one thing to kind of, sorry, to keep going on this Garrett guy. Uh, if you would, once again, I'm so sorry. Say Maria Cruz's actress's name. Uh, that is Anna de la Reguera. They're in this scene underneath a building where zombies are hibernating. Again, another great, brilliant thing of like, I've never seen that. Way to go, Zach. Just throw everything in there. And she gets separated. She's got to start killing a bunch. And when she's like trying to kill them silently, that was a great scene. Eventually, she realizes that this guy who she thought was going to fuck her over, fucked her over. And we think we're never going to see her. She does this great action scene of jumping through a window like 10 feet away from everybody else. Right. They don't go and help her. Yes. Yeah. That was another uh, on my second rewatch that could have easily been fixed by literally putting more bodies there, like just a ton of zombies that would have been outside in that hallway, too, or something like that, because then they could have been like, uh, uh, that looks no, that's like a thousand zombies that are now swarming her. But there was literally maybe five in between them and her that could have if if any if just two of them or even the guy that the YouTuber had just blown a few of them away. We know he's a good shot. She would have been fine and would have gotten out of it. They're like, no, she's gone. Let her leave her. No, it's like, no, there's two zombies on it right now. We can. No. All right. We could do something. We can, (laughs) but they don't. And all right, let me put that on the back burner. Fine. Maybe there was more than what we saw. Whatever. The fact that her dying breath wasn't, hey, Martin's an asshole. We were right. That's the part that really stuck in me where she's like, run. It's like, of course they were going to run. Why are you going to tell them to run that they were going to do that regardless? Like, for me personally, I'd be like, he's a dick. It's exactly what we thought. Kill him. And then, boom, I'm dead. Yes. But that was the part that drove me out of the story even more than, like, them going, huh, she's in danger over there. We should probably run away. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
but all in all, I, I get it. It's a movie. We have to get from A to B. And if we had stopped there, there wouldn't have been parts in between. He wouldn't have gotten the head. Then the king wouldn't have come for her and Zeus wouldn't have been there and all that stuff. So it had to happen. But agreed, if they had just put like 10 zombies in between them and her, it would have been like, all right, this looks a little bit more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not it definitely not is not a perfect movie. And that's one of the issues I had with it as well. Just that one scene. So now she's dead. The YouTuber dies. The bad guy dies. Coyote dies. Almost everybody's dead. The only people to get onto the helicopter are Dave Bautista, the Scott Ward. Tig is flying it. And who else was in there? His daughter and Geta, because they end up getting Geta. Agreed. But when they leave from the first place, is it only the two of them? Or when uh, does she, oh, no, because all right, I'm confusing myself. Excuse me. I'm sorry about that. When they leave initially from when Coyote has her head and she drops it, was there anybody else with them? Or it was only Coyote and Dave mm-hmm. meeting up with Tig at the beginning. Yeah, uh, at the top that, of that building it. to fly to the other building. Right. I think that might have been it because or maybe his daughter, because he goes back and he's trying. It is just him and Coyote. And then he goes back to try to find his daughter. And that's when they run. He runs into the alpha, into Zeus and his daughter and Geta. And, they, and he brings them back to the helicopter. Yeah, I think it was just him and Coyote. That's crazy. So during the they, I don't even think they have any money. The entire thing has just gone to shit. They're trying to get out. But now his daughter is so keen on fighting this Greta lady. They, she goes back to the hive where then again, Theo Rossi as a zombie attacks her because he still can't get that out of his head. She kills mm-hmm. him, of course. That was a great moment of watching his head explode. Of like, fuck that guy. Right. <laughs> but then, yeah, we, we get them all in the helicopter. It's the four of us about to leave. And then the, the A-bomb goes off and pretty much kills everybody else in the wreckage of that with only Ella walking away from it. Do we even see if Greta makes it? I don't think she makes it. No, there's like one shot, I believe, of, and it's not focused on her, but you just see like her head, like eyes closed and that's it. And you see Tig definitely dead, but I seem to remember there was like a very brief shot of as the camera's panning, you can kind of see Geta just laying there. And it's like, all right. And that's one thing that I, I saw a lot of people also bring up of, you know, if we had just gotten uh, a nod of like, oh, she didn't make it either. OK, and that that would have been something that people would have not been as confused about. Agreed. Yeah. Either way, just let me know. I just want to know for my thing, for my closure of the movie, whether or not, you know, this Kate Ward is going to go back with a small pile of money. It's probably what still fifty thousand dollars, which is not a small amount of money. But compared to the however many millions they were going to. She was promised like 15 million or something like that, because Dave Bautista was going to give his daughter all of it to try to say, sorry, I killed your mom basically, Mm -hmm. but she only gets a little bit of it. And the movie of that story pretty much ends with her having to kill Dave Bautista because he's been bitten. And that scene was a lot tougher to watch than I thought it was going to be. I kind of saw it coming the whole way, but she acted the shit out of that. This Ella Purnell. Yeah, she didn't nail it. And we, I don't know why we got so attached to Dave's character. Um, because at the end of the day, it is just a zombie heist, but I guess we relate a lot to him or sympathize with the fact that he's trying to mend this relationship. You know, whether or not we're dads, it's, you know, we all understand that, you know, trying to mend something or trying to make something work or trying to make amends in some way. And that's what he was trying to go for. And he's doing this primarily just for his he, his daughter. I think he would have been fine not keeping any of the money if she didn't want to open this food truck and just knowing that she's going to be okay. He would have been fine with that. What a great pull, too, with the food truck. Cause that's another thing. As the movie's going on, he's pitching her food truck ideas. Then at the very end where he's like, I got it. And he's dying. And you think that it's going to be something pointy. He goes, lobster rolls. Right. (laughs) 
and as someone, I agree that Zack Snyder's not really big into humor. He puts it exactly where it needs to be, and this was the exact place it needed to be, in my opinion. I thought that that comedic timing of the line, of the sentiment of all of this, of this guy, in my opinion, not wanting to leave the last thought that he has of his daughter being sad and funny or sad and fucked up. It's him just doing what they always did, you know, in this short amount of time of the movie, but like just going with another idea and just trying to make it a normal thing rather than a sad thing. I don't know. I thought it was beautiful though. And they both did end up nailing that scene. I was more impressed by the fact that Dave has a ton of, I don't know if if it's what he's been doing in between now and his last film, but this seems to be like his major leading role and he does it extremely well. Like that guy is leading man material and this movie proved it. Agreed. I'm excited to see where he goes from, from now on because I didn't really know what he could do. He plays a goofy guy in the guardians of the galaxy. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen him in anything else. Really. I've seen him talking a bunch of things and he seems like a really nice guy. He's also kind of like what we were talking about with Zach. Everything I've seen, I've never met him, but just seems to be super grateful and super happy to be a part of all this. I've seen him play like the muscly, like hench guy or the the boss battle, if you will, like in a Bond film or in uh, Blade Runner 2049. He plays someone who tries to kill the our main character. I, I forget the guy's name, but yeah, he always plays like that strong man that's going to fuck up the, the room or the house. And he's going to the guy you fight and he's super tough. Uh, but here he's he does this role where he is someone that is haunted by his past. He wants to mend this relationship with his daughter. He has scenes of himself crying and weeping and he's got comedy under it and he's got action. Like he just there was no scene in there where I'm like, OK, he was a little weak there. He was strong throughout the whole thing. Agreed. The entire cast, I would even have to go on and say top notch. There's not one person who I watched this and was like, really? Or just kind of felt, well, I could sniff acting all over you. I thought it, I thought it was perfectly cast now that we're talking about how great Dave did. Yeah, I, I really can't think of anybody who didn't do a great job. And I do want to give credit as well to to Zeus, because he, he, he had that scene, as you mentioned, where he's weeping. You get zombie tears. And in the past, uh, he's he's a stuntman. Richard Citrone, he was uh, Ben's stuntman uh, in Suicide Squad and uh, in BVS, I believe. And now he's playing this alpha zombie Zeus who gets these scenes of him yelling and crying and weeping and anger. Like, let's give him credit, too. It's a stunt guy that elevated the 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 role because he he had to do some things that like, yes, his main thing reason for being there is to do the stunt work. But he's also has has these scenes that he can really put some of himself in. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just was looking up, too, because not only was he the Batman in Batman v Superman, he's also done stunts for Solo, Captain America, Wonder Woman, Lethal Weapon, Star Wars, Sleepy Hollow, Man of Steel, Underworld. I mean, this guy has just been in everything. And not only that, but he was born in 1961. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's like 60 years old. Yeah. What he gave us was more than just being a beast as well of just the, the single tier and elevating. You're you're absolutely right. I just find it so amazing that he's 60 and just throwing people around like that and looking awesome. Mm -hmm. To wrap on up, we kind of get an epilogue, if you ask me, where we talked about how Vandero was thrown into this giant safe by Dieter. The A-bomb goes off, but this safe was so giant that he survives it, gets out with a shit ton of money, buys a private plane, is about to land in Mexico City, I think he said. Yeah, one of the most populated cities in the world. 
fuck, that makes so much sense. I didn't know that. That little tidbit adds so much more to this fucking end part now. Sorry, I'm a little <laughs> lost in that thought. That's not where you want a, a zombie apocalypse to start either. <laughs> no, because we do find out that he, unfortunately he didn't make it out scratch free. He, he's got a bite. He will become a zombie in the most populated city. Oh, wow. Dude, Zack Snyder's a genius. And it's going to be an alpha zombie, too, because he was bitten by Zeus. And we know from, I think, Vero that he said that that's going to be another scarier alpha zombie, a scarier Zeus when and if they get to a sequel. Because that was the other great thing about these zombies, too, is it seems like whatever they would do in life, they got to bring into zombies because there was one guy when Dave was fighting him, he was like, like I don't want to say chasing him with a knife, but he was swinging wildly. I mean, a bunch of good kill shots. And this guy was like dipping and dodging out of the way, which yeah. I don't think he learned as a zombie. If I had to guess, he was athletic before he became a zombie, became a zombie and kept those into the future. So could you imagine a Vandero zombie, somebody that jacked, that skilled, that smart, then an alpha? Yeah, it's not not a good idea. <laughs> it's going to be uh, I, good luck killing him. <laughs> So is that the only spinoff coming or you mentioned well, another one as well, right? So he, he hasn't confirmed the sequel and I kind of expected Netflix to by now be like, and we're greenlighting uh, army of the dead too, but they haven't done so yet as of this recording, but they, there's two prequels coming. There's going to be an anime series that will bring back a lot of the cast to voice them uh, themselves. It's going to be directed by Jay Oliva, who worked on The Dark Knight Returns Parts 1 and 2. He's also a friend of Zack's. Hell and yeah. then the prequel movie is going to be the one that's live action, directed by the the actor who played Dieter. He's going to star in it, and Zack described it, I believe, as a romantic comedy. So I'm, I'm curious to see what the plot is going to be there. But I believe the anime is where we're going to get more answers as far as Area 51, how the Alpha was kept in that base. And Zach is directing the first and the sixth episode, which I believe are the first and final episodes. That's amazing. Oh, I can't wait to see that. Especially, too, I love that Jay Oliver guy. He directed some, not some of, like my favorite DC animated movies are directed by him. He's got a great eye. He's really good at directing that. So this vision plus his vision, like their collaboration is probably going to be amazing. It's always cool when they can bring on their guys onto the next thing that may not have to do with dc or whatever that you know zach looks out for his friends and people that he knows can get the job done and again i'm sorry to harp on this with him being such a nice guy it seems like all his friends are really nice guys too because that jay <laughs> guy i've seen yeah yeah i've seen him in a bunch of interviews and every time i see that jay guy talking it's like can you believe what i'm doing like this is the <laughs> best job that i've ever like this is amazing so i love that type of shit and i love zach so i liked what we talked about a few plot holes in this movie, but it doesn't mean I didn't not like it. There was just a few points that took me out, but all in all, for a non-zombie fan, I really liked this ride from start to finish. I enjoyed myself a lot too, and it's got it's got a ton of re- rewatchability. There's the theories that people have started to come up with, like yeah, we saw uh, Omari's character talk about the repeated timeline. And how they're they're like, no, th- this is us. And you you cut to the bodies and they're they literally they're wearing the same clothing as what they are. And the one difference is the one uh, girl's necklace, the keys on it, it has three holes in it. But when we see her in this timeline in the current one, she it has four. So there's all these theories of like this is their fourth go around at trying to get this money in this repeated timeline if he's right about it. 
and which would explain why they're all sharpshooters. They've retained those skills from those previous lives. And there's, there's all kinds of things that, that people can pull from this. And I think that's why this is higher than your regular zombie film. There's a ton to like, think about and, and notice and check out and discuss the robot zombies that are, that are sprinkled throughout the movie. It, it just sets up so much for this little world that Netflix is now building. I was going to ask you about that. And I was going to throw my own interjection into there. Are they robots? Do we ever actually see technology or do we just see the glowing eyes? So we see the glowing eyes and then one of the zombies that the YouTuber blows away when they're in the on the floor of the casino, uh, the skull is metallic and silver. Shit, okay. And he was one. Of, and you see like the glowing eyes like pop, you know, blow up as well as as he shoots them. And it's you people had to like freeze frame it and slow it down to like really see. And I believe since then, Zach has said He's like, and he left it open. He's like, I don't, maybe it's the government putting in robot zombies to study them. We don't know, but we're going to answer a lot of that in the prequels. And I'm like, okay, cool. So at least we're going to get, it seems like we're going to get that answer. Because going back to the Zeus tearing out the fetus, that same hue of blue was all around the fetus. So my theory was before I just found out that we did see a metallic skull was aliens. I thought that that was somehow alien blood or something to do with what the aforementioned ufos or something like that but now that i know that it's a metal skull that doesn't really flow anymore but i did think that that was weird when he took out the fetus like it did have a bunch of blue glow around it for a little bit it dissipated Mm -hmm. as it quote unquote died but it was that that was weird i thought that that was going to connect but apparently not fuck yeah i need this prequel i need to know these answers now yeah that's what i thought too i thought that it was just uh their biology as they became alphas that they you know had blue blood or glowing blood or whatever and I would have been fine with that explanation, but the fact that they gave us like, oh, there's zombies or there's robots in here too, or cyborgs, whatever you want to call them. It's like, okay, I'm so what what really is that? And and are the other alphas okay with working with them? Do they not notice it? Or there's just a lot there to still uncover. And uncover we will when they come out. I can't wait to talk more about this. I can't wait for those to come out for sure because like I said, I, I like this movie. I like Zack Snyder. I like all the layers in here. It is much more than your average heist movie. It's much more than your average zombie movie. It's much more than a zombie heist movie. I thought it was great altogether. From a, your rating scale, we usually do uh, grade letters here, but if you prefer one to ten, whatever you want to say, how would you how would you uh, rate this movie overall? Uh, I'd give it a I guess out of five a three and a half, which would be what a B B plus. I think it's a yeah. might, might be a C. I don't know. Might but, be a C. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I'd, I'd give it a three and a half out of five or a C plus, however you want to give that it's not my favorite Zack Snyder film, but there's so much in here that I really enjoyed. The camera work was incredible. The use of that dream lens that people keep talking about uh, was, uh, I noticed it more on the big screen where I was like, okay, well there's a lot more of this is out of focus than, than normal than what he normally does. And then when you see it on your television in 4k or, or in high definition, he, I didn't notice it as much. I was like, okay, now I understand what he was going for and what the, feel of this movie is and uh that was one of those things that i kept seeing was a problem with it but that that i didn't have an issue with and uh it was shot beautifully the special effects were gorgeous the makeup all of that work that you mentioned the acting was was solid as well it's just because of the the plot points that were there and i don't know if it, if that's a byproduct of the fact that it is in the uh, zombie genre it's not something that i i i excuse any movie of so that's one of the reasons why it's not something higher than a three and a half for me uh how about you i was gonna put it at the same exact place maybe just a b only because 
I feel bad giving Zach a C is something. I don't know. Right. <laughs> it's weird, right? Because C is average, but he's but it's not average either. So I guess that's not that's not right either. <laughs> yeah, and the line of everything is it my favorite Zack Snyder? No, I can't say it's my least favorite either, though. I don't know. All in all, I definitely think it's fun. If you have Netflix, I wouldn't say not watch it for sure. It's it's definitely a good time. But a B, I think I'd land right on a B. How valuable do you think this is going to be for Netflix to have moving forward, having this uh, original, I guess, IP or whatever? Really good. I can't see them just exploiting it to the absolute max, especially with the two things that we talked about already have my attention. You know, the prequel is something in which I really am interested to figure out all the back knowledge. A romantic comedy with these characters. That sounds fine, too. Break it off into as many pieces as you can. Because I I would want to watch all of them. I find it very interesting, like we were talking about with the layers of zombies. That's just something I've never seen before. So with how many different ways we can go. Because what if we got a good zombie? We talked about how super uh, strong they were and shit. All of a sudden we can have a superhero zombie, maybe. Or at least a superhero on a leash or a zombie on a leash. I don't know. There's, In my opinion, especially with Zach just pumping out ideas, they could go in a billion different places. So I don't see why Netflix wouldn't sit down with a pen and paper and be like, all right, what next? What else are you thinking? And I'm glad that you included this in the superhero section that we were able to talk about this on the show because it does in many ways feel like a superhero film. You see Zeus wearing like a that helmet, almost like a mask. He's riding on a horse. He looks comic like something straight out of a comic book where's the cape by, he wears a cape exactly right and he's played by someone who's played batman as a stunt double and it, it's very fitting for it. they have superhuman strength and uh I, I'm, I'm it's it's really cool that it, people that enjoyed the same stuff that you talk about here every week this is right there with it it's right there with every other comic book movie i think it's it's the perfect maybe not every zombie movie can you put in that category but this is one that would fit fucking i the superhero aesthetic to it, the pacing to it, the action in it, it doesn't feel that much like a zombie movie all the time. It does have that high action to it. And especially with the man Snyder himself kind of behind it. Yeah, I, I didn't find it that hard to fit into the superhero section. Right. No, less less of a Walking Dead and more of a superhero movie for sure. Yeah, which is funny because The Walking Dead is a comic book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's fucking hysterical. <laughs> Well, sir, I can't say thank you enough for coming and hanging out again. Fourth time on Buds, Bros, and Superheroes. It means the world to me that you keep coming back and keep hanging out with me and keep giving my listeners just some of your awesomeness. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I hope everyone on the other end enjoyed uh, today's episode and that I hopefully I brought something uh, fun this week. And uh, always a pleasure to talk film and especially when it involves Zack Snyder. So thank you very much, Nick. For anybody out there who wants some more of you, well, we already said the reasons I'm broke, but is there a specific tag that you want to send them to or anything like that? I know you guys are all over the internet. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, if you head on over to thereasonsimbroke.com, you'll find the web player right there for the weekly podcast. And you'll also find links on everywhere you can find me, like Twitter, Instagram, Vero, and Facebook. So thereasonsimbroke.com. With that, though, we are going to wrap up this episode of Buds, Bros, and Superheroes. If you had anything that you wanted to add to the conversation, we are on the internet as well. we got the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram down below. If you're listening on YouTube, leave a comment, all those fun things. But the thing I can't ask for enough, if you have the time, if you have a friend who likes Buds, Bros, or Superheroes, have I got a fucking show for them, guys. I have been Nick James, joined again this week by... Daniel. Buds, Bros, and Superheroes are out of here.